Right, so I'll just say that. Uh, hey, we're excited to be able to, to share together, to teach together, to preach together on this, on this Mother's Day. And uh, like we've been doing, uh, you know, this series we're in, Great uh, Traits of God. Um, each person that I'm, that I'm up here with each week picks the one that is, that is like either their favorite or just stands out to them right now. And so uh, today we're looking at He is love. And, and one of the things I, I love about that is it's, we know God does love. We know God shows loving things. We know God uh, just cascades love upon us. But the reality is this, more than all of that, he is the definition of love. And love outside of God does not exist in a love form uh, the way it's designed to be. Um, I'm going to turn over to her in, in just a moment here. But I remember years ago when we were in Omaha and, and I was a, a, a rookie on staff and we had this uh, theologian on staff, this sweet guy named Ray. Uh, he was from England originally, had a couple of different doctorate degrees, and, and he was one of the most brilliant minds I'd ever been around. He's about 175 years old. Uh, and he and I were teaching this Sunday class together. We were teaching 1 John 4. And I said, I said, Pastor Ray, I said, like, with all of your learnings and everything, what is the one thing you always want to get into him as far as theology goes? And he goes, if we'll get that God is love, we're set for all time in understanding who we are and who he is. And he said, here's the thing. I've never met anybody who knows it, not even me. Uh, and he goes, it's, it's something that we need to be reminded of and learn about and pursue all the days of our life and everything else in Christianity and in being a Jesus follower and a Jesus lover flows from that. So I'm going to pray and turn over to my wife to start and then... Uh, I'll come up, and, and we're going to have two songs of worship at the end after Sarah prays. Uh, so uh, pray with me. Lord, I, I thank you that, that you are love, and I thank you that we get to spend our lives learning what that means, having that change us forever, and then, and then having that flow from us for, for those who are lost and broken and hurting in this world as you tell us to, to love you, and then out of that, love others. And, and so I pray that you you would minister through us today and for every one of us here that we would firmly and, and fully and clearly hear what you have to share with us, Holy Spirit. Help us to be more loving, to, to live from uh, uh, the heartbeat of that love, but then also realize that, that, that along the way when we stumble and, and fumble and bumble our way along at times, that, that you're gracious and you're compassionate, you're full of love. It is unending and it's something we can't fathom. And so I thank you for it. Bless the words that come out of our mouths and bless our worship uh, in response to you. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Babe, it's all yours. Okay. Am I on? Can you hear me? Good morning, Hill Country family. Happy Mother's Day. There I am. Happy Mother's Day, moms. Being a mom is by far my favorite thing that I've ever done. And it is also the hardest gig on the planet which is why I apologize to my kids a lot. <laughs> I made the mistake of telling Kian beforehand that they were gonna ask him questions about me, and I said, be nice, buddy, okay? And he, his response was this, well, mom, I gotta tell the truth. <laughs> but Kian, that was so sweet, buddy. That was so sweet. Um, the first time, actually, that I, um, not the first time I preached, but the only other time I have preached in a setting in church like this was, I think, when I was pregnant with my youngest son, Finn, and I preached on Mother's Day. So here I am again on Mother's Day, getting the opportunity. I had to preach three services, though. 
that time, which was like, oh my word, it was a lot, but it was a lot of fun. My actually, my first time preaching was when I was 18 years old. Um, I was a student at a discipleship training school with YWAM, which is, stands for Youth with a Mission. I was on my outreach in Australia, and um, one of the assignments that we had to do was we had to preach for like 20 minutes, and I was terrified. And so I knew my turn was coming up, and so I did the whole just, you know, like thumb through the Bible, we call it Bible roulette, and then just put your finger on a, on a verse. That didn't work. But I did come across a scripture that really changed me in that moment. I might change my view of God and changed um, how I looked at the character and the attributes of God. And it's what I actually preached on. And it was um, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse, ter- verse 13. And it says this, when we are faithless, He will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. And I remember when I read that scripture, I thought, wait a second. He can't be anything but faithful. It it isn't possible for our God to be anything other than faithful because faithfulness is actually what he is. We have the definition of faithful because we have God. He can never be anything other than who he is. And I don't know about you, but that made me feel really good. It comforted me to know that even in my faithlessness and even in my failure, he would never be faithless to me. He would always be faithful and he would never fail me. And it changed the way that I I saw the Lord. My favorite character attribute is definitely God's love for me. It is the revelation of my life. It is the biggest part of my testimony when I stand up here and I tell people about what God has done in me and in my heart. I have to go back to what he's done about showing me who he is, his love for me. But God is love, like Scott said earlier. God isn't loving. I mean, he's loving. But he's not just loving, he is love. Again, he is the very definition of love. We don't have love outside of God. We hear in our culture, especially today, love is love. No, it's not. God is love. And 1 John 4, verse 16 says this, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God. You cannot separate the two. God is love. And we don't get to define love. God defines love. He is love. He cannot disown himself. He cannot be anything other than who God is. And you know what's so awesome? We also don't have to beg God to be who he is. We don't have to do that. And all of these, these attributes that we've been talking about for these last weeks, none of those things exist outside of God either. The things that we love about who he is, he just is without us having to beg him to be. The whole reason that we were made was because of love. We were made by love for love. We were created by God to be in a love relationship with him. Y'all, when we first moved here and I was asked, like, right out of the gate, we were just, Scott had just become the pastor and we were asked to do, I was asked to lead a Bible study. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've never done that, but uh, okay, I'm a pastor's wife now, I guess I have to. 
And I was like, Lord, I could get up there and say a lot of true things, but it won't matter if it's not what you want me to say. What do you want me to say? And he said, I want you to tell this to the women of this church. It is all about a love relationship. It's all about a love relationship. It's what we were created for. We were his idea. This whole love relationship thing, it was his idea. He made us. He loved us first. And 1 John 4, 10 says, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Not that we loved God. It isn't dependent on our love. It's all about that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Our failure in the garden didn't change his love because we did fail. We did sin in the garden and we, we broke the relationship. Sin broke the relationship. That's true. But do you know what it did not do? It did not diminish his love for us. It did nothing to change or alter the love of the Father for his creation. Nothing. And because of that love, then the plan, the plan that was there from before the foundations of the earth. Try to wrap your head around that one. That God had a plan that was motivated by his love to send us his one and only son to bring us back into, like Jordan talked about last week, right standing and right relationship with him. But do you know why he did that? Because he loves us. We will never fathom the height or the depth of his love, but it should be our life's journey to understand it, to, to choose to believe it by faith, because trust me, there will be times when you have to believe it by faith, but to pursue knowing this God who loves us and is crazy about us. Jesus is the one that told Nicodemus in John 3.16, which... I'm sure all of us have heard this, ver this verse many times. I grew up, had to memorize this verse. Jesus is the one who said it. And he said it to Nicodemus, John 3, 16. He said, for God so loved the world. Nicodemus, let, let me tell you why I'm here. It's because of the love of the Father. He so loved the world. He didn't feel obligated to the world and to people. It was because he so desperately loved us that he sent his son. That whoever would believe in him would never perish, but have everlasting life. Be back into a right love relationship with the Father. The great redemption plan, Jesus, our Savior, our Redeemer, was motivated out of the heart of love that we have in our heavenly Father. Jesus said, if you see me, you see the Father. I don't do anything or say anything unless he tells me to. And the best part about God's love, this is the best part. It's unconditional. It is complete. Do you know what unconditional means? Without condition. There are zero well, that's double zero. But yeah, double zero. There are zero conditions to the love of God. Zero. There is nothing that we can do to earn God's love by how well we behave. Amen. We also can't lose his love by how we misbehave. 
We can't make it more. We can't make it less. God's love is absolutely perfect, and it is enough. His love for us is enough. It's not given when we're doing good and then taken away when we're doing bad. 1 John 4 verse 16 says this, And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Do you hear that? We know and rely on the love God has for us. It isn't about how well we love him even. I mean, I love God. I love him because he loved me first. I rely on his love for me, not on my love, because if I am, well, that's going to not work out well. I don't love God perfectly. I used to think that that scripture, perfect love casts out fear. I thought, well, darn it. There's no way for me to love perfectly, so I guess I'm just going to struggle with fear for the rest of my life. Was it talking about my perfect love? Oh, I just totally spit, sorry. It doesn't exist. I get really going, I get on fire and who knows what happens. They asked me, do you want a lapel or a hand mic? And I was like, oh my gosh, I need these things free. But what God showed me was that his love is perfect, not mine. He's not asking me to have a perfect love. He knows I can't do that. His love is already perfect. And when I, when I recognized that, I was like, well, okay, if you love me that much, what do I have to be afraid of? If my God loves me that much that he would make me reconcile me to himself and be in this personal, intimate relationship with me, the creator of the whole universe, eyes on me, love for me, what can stand against me? Nothing can stand against the love of God. God isn't looking at our our behavior and how well we love him to gauge how much he loves us, right? That's just us performing for him. And we don't have to perform to make him love us. We don't have to Sometimes I think we get this idea like, okay, if I do the things, all the commands, and I walk in obedience, then, okay, he's going to be happy with me, and he's going to be pleased with me, and I'm going to feel his love for me. That's not the way it works, and it will never work that way. We obey God out of our love relationship with him not the other way around. And then it's not performance. If we're doing it all up in our own strength over here, we will run out and we will fall on our faces. But if we are obeying God, if we are loving people out of this love relationship, that's where it's at. Because it's all about this love relationship. We cannot do what Jesus said when he was asked, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is love your neighbor as yourself. And all the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. In other words, you will never be able to do the commandments over here if you're not loving God here. If you are not responding to the love of the Father But in order to respond to it, you have to believe it. You'll never fully understand how God could love you the way he loves you. His love is so big, 
so deep and so wide, you'll never be able to understand it, but you ought to pursue to know, God, show me how much you love me. Reveal your heart to me, not so that I can stand here and be like, oh yeah, because trust me, it takes humility to be able to say, I am so loved and adored by my God, because I know me and you know you. And real humility is agreeing with God about who we are. It's not humility to grovel and focus on our sin. When we focus on our sin and how much we blow it, do you know what happens? And you know what happened to me in my life? Because I spent many, many years walking this way. I would try so hard to be perfect. I grew up in church my whole life. We were there Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday evening, and any other time the church doors were open, we were there. And it was a beautiful thing. But I grew up in the church, and then as I grew up and began my own walk with God, I I just felt like I just had to do everything right. And when I was focused on being perfect and performance and striving so I could feel loved by the Lord, so I could acknowledge that I was loved by the Lord, I did worse. I would fail more. The more I focused on the sin, the more I sinned. And then I would feel condemnation and I would go and I would hide in the corner and I would crouch down. Not literally, I'm just giving you a picture. I would crouch down in the corner and the enemy would just harass me and torment me with my failure. This is who you are. You'll never be anything but this. He doesn't love you. How could he? You got to grovel to get back to God. And then when I had felt like enough time had passed, then I would crawl my way back to my quiet times and my time with the Lord and ask forgiveness like 20 times in a row to be able to feel that love. Y'all, that is performance and that is from the pit of hell. When we know that we are loved and we are walking in the truth of that and we are choosing to walk in the truth of that, yeah, we're still going to mess up and when we do, we go, whoa, that was gross. Okay. I did that thing. You saw that thing, I did that thing, that's gross. I'm sorry, forgive me, but man, do you love me. Oh, I'm so excited about how much you love me even though I do that. And then we just keep pressing into him. So we don't rely on our performance, we rely on his love and it's not a crutch. Well, maybe it is. He is, he's supposed to be our crutch, isn't he? Like he is what we are supposed to depend on. His love for us, it's foundational. I'm all the way past my notes here, which look like this. This is so embarrassing. I'm not a real preacher. <laughs> um, but you know what? Even though I, I lived my life like that for so many years, struggling, struggling, struggling in my walk with God, but then, like my husband says, but then God. The love of the Father surrounded me. Y'all, you want to know when it surrounded me? And this just proves it's not about behavior and it's not about performance. It surrounded me when I was at my absolute worst. I was in a pit of sin that I never imagined that I could ever get myself into. I was watching, um, I don't know if any of you have watched The Chosen, but if you haven't, you should, and just get over yourself if you or theologically it messes with your brain because it's really good. (laughs) Watch it. There's a scene where Jesus meets the woman at the well. And we have the scene already in our Bible, but it's played out in in that show. 
And Jesus, what does he do to the woman at the well? He meets her right where she, where she is, doesn't he? He meets her right there in her sin. What did Jesus do with the woman caught in adultery? When everyone was surrounding her, they couldn't wait to stone her. He met her right where she was in her sin. And he loved those women. And there in my sin, that is when the Holy Spirit revealed to me the lie that I had believed for so many years. Because I knew it up here. Remember, I had gone to church my entire life. I knew up here, yeah, yeah, God loves me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. It's true. But it never translated here into my heart. It was never something that I knew, that I knew, that I knew deep, deep down. And he came to me in the middle of my mess, in the middle of my sin. And do you know what he said to me? He didn't say, I knew you would go there. You're going to need to work to earn your way back to me. You know what he said to me as I spewed all the ugly that I had trapped in my heart for so many years? He said, that's my girl. I love you. You want to know the problem here? You don't know how much I love you. What do you mean? I thought the problem was my sin. Isn't the problem this big, ugly sin and I've turned my back on you? No, the problem and the reason you got here, Sarah, is that you never really believed that you loved me. Remember how I said I had an alias? I really do. My legal name is Winter which means a cold, dark season. In this process of God showing me how much he loved me, do you know what he did? He changed my name. Do you know what he changed it to? Sarah. Do you know what Sarah means? Beloved princess. He made it really personal to me. Here's the problem. Here's the lie. Here's the lie. He didn't excuse, well, you didn't sin. You believe this lie, so you didn't sin. That's not your fault. Of course I did. I chose to believe the lie. I chose to walk in the sin that I was walking in. But God met me there and said, it's not about your behavior. I'm not focused on your sin like you have been your whole life. I love you, girl. I love you. I love you. Believe me. I love you. How can it be? But it has to be true. I'm not gonna, I can't live a Christian life the way I was before. So I choose to believe, and I did. I had to choose to believe by faith or be deceived by a lie. Continue to be deceived by a lie. I'm not enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not qualified, I'm not good enough at ministry, I'm not, I, I sin too much. All these things the enemy was telling me, I had to repent I did it again. I had to repent of believing the lie and choose to believe the truth of who I was. And you know what? Here's who I am. I'm a girl, the girl that God loves. That's who I am. And that doesn't make me want to sin. I'm not saying that we go, oh, okay, well, I'm loved, so I can do whatever I want. No, no, no. When you know how loved you are, no matter what, no conditions apply, you are motivated to love God in return. You are motivated to follow his commandments. You are motivated when you're secure and you know, oh my gosh, I'm so loved. You are motivated to love other people and do the things that God has called you to do. And I get it. I know that it's hard. Trust me. I've just told you and I could tell you so much more and I will if you come to Cultivate tonight because I'm sharing my story where I'm going to be way more detailed about the process about the reason 
that I believed the lies that I believed? I'm not really sure what to do. I'm just going <laughs> to. There's reasons why we struggle to believe in this perfect love of our Father, this unconditional, overwhelming, miraculous love that he has. Um, maybe, we, maybe we weren't shown love, and that's why it's hard to, to picture it. Maybe we didn't even have a father, and so the absence of a father was just the absence of a love of a father. And so we feel like, well, what do I do with that? Just, there was never a father there. Some of us have had mean fathers, selfish fathers, fathers that have hurt us, maybe abused us mentally and physically. Maybe it's just difficult because we know us, right? And we just can't get our head around that it's not what we do. Surely we've got to do something. Because as humans, we just give me a list and let me just knock it off one by one so I have some sort of control. You have no control over how much God loves you. Did yeah. you know that? You have zero control over how much God loves you. He loves you perfectly, unconditionally, no matter what you do. And nothing can separate you from the love of God. Yes. Nothing. Romans 8, verse 38 and 39 says this, and I am convinced, <laughs> I am convinced, that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Y'all listen to this list. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, Neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. Hello, can somebody say amen? With any of this on this list, we can relate to this, especially right now. Not our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. Those things cannot separate us from his love. Nothing, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky or on the earth below. Indeed, nothing, there it is again, in all creation, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is revealed to us in Christ Jesus our Lord. Does that not pretty much sum it up? Does it not cover every single base? They don't. He didn't leave anything out there. Nothing can separate you from God's love. Let him convince you of it. If you struggle with it, let him convince you. I love the first part of that scripture, and I am convinced. God wasn't mad at me that he had to convince me. He just showed me. He just showed me who he was and showed me in his word the truth of his love for me and then said, now walk in it. Let's obey it. Choose to believe it when it doesn't feel true. Because there's going to be times in your life when circumstances say to you, and the enemy says he doesn't really love you, but you look beyond the circumstances to your father and say, I choose to believe that you love me because you are love and you cannot disown yourself. You know, I have... I have one passage I want to read to us. Uh, Peter wrote, um, 
wrote this. You know, we, we, most of us know the story. Peter, he, he rejected Jesus three times. He was one of Jesus' best friends. And then, and then I can't imagine how he felt, but when Jesus comes and restores him on the beach. And, and then years later, he writes what we have now in, in the books of First and Second Peter. And he writes this from the perspective of being once rejected because of what he believed about himself. I failed God. Thus, I'm rejected, and I, he can't love me anymore. He might just tolerate me to fully accept it because Jesus forgave him, restored him on the beach. And he writes this to us in, in 1 Peter chapter 2. He says, you are God's chosen treasure. He claims you as his very own. One time, you were not God's people, but now you are. He's actually referring back to the, even the book of Hosea. This beautiful picture of love. If, if you want to read a, a story of loving those where they are, improving your love to them in spite of themselves, read the book of Hosea, especially chapter 2. It's actually a, a great a just uh, passage just about the, the compassion and, and the restoration God has for, for wayward ones. But that's who Peter's referring to. And he says, at one time you weren't God's people, but now you are. At one time you knew nothing of God's mercy or God's love. Because you hadn't received it yet, but now you're drenched with it. Love cascades all over you. It's not based on how good you are or, or how bad you are. It's not, it's not based on what you do to please him or what you might do to bother him. It's based on the fact that he is love, and all he can do is love. That's all he can do. And so his desire is not only to love you, but to convince you of his love. God loves to convince you. He doesn't owe you or I anything, but he, he loves that. He loves you because he's God and you're his created ones. You're the ones that he sent his son to die for so he could have you back in full relationship without any gaps or, or chasms or walls. And if you believe there's a gap because of stuff you've done, or haven't done, or how you've acted, or haven't acted, or how, how poor you are, or, or whatever. If you believe there's some kind of a gap, let me tell you once again from Scripture, there is no gap. He made a way where there was no way. That cross created a bridge between you and, you and God so you can be in perfect relationship with Him. He defines love. He is love, and you're the object of his love above all else. And I'm going to have you stand right now. Uh, Sarah's uh, got something on her heart that she's going to speak over you and pray for you. And then we're going to have two songs of worship. Uh, and I just want to encourage you again, that, that passage from Hosea 2, uh, in verse 14, it, it, God says, I tenderly love her. And he's talking about his wayward people. Because Israel was naughty at the time. <laughs> Moms, you know what it's like to, to pursue and love your, your naughty ones at times. You have that compassion. Actually, the, the last part of Hosea 2 actually refers uh, to a mother's type of love, that nurturing love that loves no matter what, pursues no matter what, and, and forbears the, uh, the naughtiness. And then in verse 23, he says, they weren't my people, but I'm calling them my people. They, they weren't loved, but I'm loving them. And, and they're going to now call me God. They're going to call me their God. No matter what they once believed, what is true will, will, will set in their hearts. And so 
live in that. It's only in that love relationship that you can then fulfill the second part of the greatest commandment, which is to love others, because this is a broken world. We know it. It's broken, it's hurting, it's, it's lost, it's wayward, it's prideful, it's confused, it's doubting, it's trying to figure its own way out, and all it does is just wind it up worse and fall in this slippery slope. But you, living out of the love of God, can love them in a way that will transform everything. The world will marvel at the love that flows from you, but only when you and I understand and live out of that love relationship. So I'm going to turn over to Sarah to pray for you and bless you. And Yeah, I'll grab that real quick. Uh, and she has a scripture she wants to read over you, and then, uh, and then we're going to worship God together. Um, like I was talking about earlier, about being convinced about his love. I want to read a scripture when Paul, I believe it was Paul. <laughs> he wrote Ephesians, right? <laughs> okay, I'm not the greatest theologian here. Um, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down deep into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. So may you seek to know this love of the Father in Christ Jesus, even though it's going to be too big for you to know. May you seek to know, as all God's people should understand his love, May you experience the love of Christ. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. So what is it that makes us complete? His love, knowing it, believing it by faith, receiving it, believing it, and then trusting him and walking in it. You will never be able to love other people, like Scott was saying, if you do not believe in the love of the Father for you individually individually this is not just a group thing it is for every single individual in this room a love that God has for you so I'm gonna challenge you this morning I know most of us in this room probably struggle with some aspect of trusting and believing in God's unconditional unrelenting love towards us you may know the reason why, and you may not. But I'm gonna pray for you, and as I pray, I'm just gonna ask y'all to be brave and bold and make your way up here to the front, to the altar. If you struggle to believe that you are loved by the Heavenly Father, if you struggle in any way, shape, or form to believe it's true for you, it's easy for other people, to believe it for other people, but it's real hard when it comes to you. I challenge you to come to the Father, to like literally get out of your seat and come to the Lord because I believe the Holy Spirit wants to move on hearts this morning. He wants to convince you of his love for you. He wants you to experience what it feels like to be loved perfectly. The love we receive from our earthly parents is not perfect. The love that we receive from the best of fathers is not perfect. Only the love of the heavenly father is perfect. 
Only his love is enough for us. Only his love and that love relationship will satisfy our hearts. And so if you struggle in any way to believe that it's true, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to move on your heart this morning. And as I pray, come forward. Pray where you are if you want to. I'm gonna pray for you, for the Holy Spirit to reveal who you are to him and his love for you. And then worship him in spite of the lies that you've believed. Choose to believe and trust that he cannot be anything other than faithful because he can't disown himself. He cannot be anything other than love because God is the very definition of love. Father, I thank you for your Holy Spirit that reveals to us lies that we've believed about you, about your character, lies that we've believed that the enemy has told us that we aren't loved because of this reason or that reason, what we've walked through, what we've experienced, pain, hurt, trauma, offense. We are not what we've experienced, Lord. We are who you say we are, and you say we are loved. We are loved by a God who can do nothing but love us. You cannot be anything but who you are. Lord, so many of us have begged for your love. We've pleaded for your love. We've done, tried to do so many things to earn your favor and your love, and it was there all along. Open our eyes to see the truth. Give us the faith to choose to believe in your love for us and change our hearts, that we can walk in the fullness of your love, pursue it every single day of our life because that is what matters. Coming to church every Sunday doesn't cut it. It's good, but it's not what you want. You don't want sacrifices, you want our hearts. You don't want rituals, you want our hearts because you are so in love with us, your creation. So minister to your people this morning, Lord. Holy Spirit, speak to your children, speak to their hearts, open their ears to hear the love of the Father for them specifically and individually. Show them now in this moment Holy Spirit, let us be undone and overwhelmed by your love. And then show us all the rest of this week in all little and big ways how much you love us. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We love you. We love you. We love you back. Our loving Father, in your mighty Son's name we pray. Amen.